When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Ah. <coughs> Welcome back to Fright School. <laughs> it's like I have to clear. I have to clear as we've been off. Um, hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How, How are, are you, you doing? Oh, oh well. well. <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're not. Those so are lies. Lies, lies, lies. <laughs> I read something where it's like, you know, the, it was some BuzzFeed article, Instagram, you know, swipeable meme that was like, things you can ask instead of, how are you? And my thing is always like, how are, how are you holding up? How are you coping? Because, you know, because then it can be like, oh, I'm, you know, drinking to excess or, you know, masturbating constantly ah. or something like that. But I think one, the one that I like is, so what are you watching lately? What are you watching? <laughs> yes, let's distract from the conversation by talking about, you know, other things. It, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we're not doing that um, it's like uncomfortable laughter insert uncomfortable right. laughter yeah um no you know it's been you know it's been uh you know we're seeing i don't know you know again it's like the bill comes due you know until until we do some real work in this country and you know within ourselves and in our communities you know this kind of, this this conversation is going to continue you know and these uprisings they're going to get more and more violent they're going to get you know the um what is it like when a uh, i don't pay attention in science class uh like you know when a force meets a force or whatever do you know what I'm trying oh, to say? When, it's an, like Im- when, in a, when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Yeah, that, it's like we're thing? just getting to this place of, of uh, you know, I mean, we've been there for a long time where we've been kind of on the edge and we've seen little things happening. And now this this has been very sustained, you know, we're like, you know, weeks in and, you know, the, the, the conversation is still there. You know, we're still trying to get people held accountable, trying to get police held accountable, trying to get. Uh, you know, governments held accountable. And I think as long as, as things continue the way they are, you know, we're going to continue to see this. And I, I mean, I am for it a hundred percent. You know, I am mm-hmm. this, the, every, all of this, this rebellion, I don't, I refuse the riot language. I refuse, you know, the looting language. I refuse all of that because this is about, this is self-defense. You know, this is an act of self-defense from, you know, the black community, you know, um, people of color, indigenous people in this land, all the people who have been suppressed for, you know, centuries and centuries by white supremacy. Uh, you know, this is, this is just inevitable. 
you know, yeah. this, this, um, this conversation. So I'm very proud to see it. Uh, it's amazing to see how many young people are involved and, you know, it, they have my full support, uh, you know, for, for it all. There's, that's my rambling. Like, <laughs> Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Black Trans Lives Matter. So uh, for me, for me, it's I, I I think about it like okay, if I was if I was a student of history in the future, right? So if I was a student of American history, let's say twenty twenty or thirty years, not even like fifty. What would um what would be said about the current the current times that we're living in? And I can just see it I can see it kind of play out the way like, you know, when you're in your honors or AP US history class and it's like you know, everything leading up to the Civil War, there was this, there was this. Or if you yeah. think about like um what's going like uh what led to like World War Two, there was this and there was this. So like with this, it's like, okay, so if this had gone on in if this was something that happened um, in a, in a non-coronavirus context, like I, it would, I would be hard pressed to think that there would be this level of unrest just because like, it's the perfect, like there's massive unemployment. There's already, there's already an entire country that's dissatisfied with their government and the government's response to just like basic human, like human suffering on like a health medical level. So when you add the, when you, and, and that already has revealed like the systemic inequalities. So when you add the fact that like, there's this overt aggression by like, a militarized police force. It's just, again, like you said, the bottom insert every insert. Exactly. Insert every metaphor here, powder keg, bottom drops out, you know, everything happens and boom. And that's what, and, and that's what goes on. So I'm, it's very heartening for me to see people, um, heartening for me to see people who, um, for so long had no idea or for so long, we're just completely, um, willfully, like willfully ignorant to what was going on for better or for worse. And it's, it's, uh, and what I mean by heartening is that it's heartening for me to see those people who are starting to like, without, without reservation, say black lives matter without reservation, say I am doing anti-racist work. And this mm-hmm. is how I learned. This is how I've been complicit. Um, I wish yeah. we could get more of that. Like I've been, I've been relative. I mean, I'm, I, I don't post an, uh, much as it is like, you know, and I do a lot of, I do a lot of reading and viewing on social media as opposed to like posting. And when I post, it's all just like, you know, it's never really anything that's like heavy unless, you know, unless it's something that I'm really like absolutely passionate about it needs to be said so oh it's, so that explains why you never promote any of your shows on your facebook page. what's going on there joe <laughs> Damn. You're not passionate. You're not. the tea is oh, it's not for the airing of the grievances we're not airing the grievances uh, the tea sorry. is hot no, go ahead Ooh, is this <laughs> I school untucked <laughs> Here we are in the interior delusions lounge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Amen. Um, but, sorry. But, go, go ahead. But what You're I, right. Yeah. 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 So what I mean is just like, you know, we, it's been interesting to see, like, I, I, I just feel like I'll, there's already people and maybe it's just like, I'm looking, I'm looking into an echo chamber. Right. So like people that I follow are people who like for better or worse have like similar 
have like similar views than I do that that I do. And so you see the same things getting shared. And for me, it's just like, yes, definitely. I've donated here. I've signed this petition. I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm trying. And in my mind, I'm just like, well, what can I say? That's what can I say? That's actually going to like reach out to people on a massive scale. And so what I've done for me, at least, is I've done on the micro, like I will, I've like tried to work, do this work within my family since, you know, we're stuck here, <laughs> you know, still pandemic, still stuck at home. Um, uh, within my family, within my relationship, within my, you know, personal, like romantic relationships, then my uh, uh, interpersonal relationships, I've been trying to like, see what I can do to affect changes there. And again, I'm not saying this as like, this is my accounting for what my, <laughs> for my time in the last two weeks. But it's just I, I like, personally, I feel like this is where this is where the most this is where the most changes that I feel I can make and being also more aware of like systemic inequality at work. And that's been probably the most difficult thing is like realizing the amount of um, systemic um, white supremacist racism that pervades like an institution or a company. And so, and again, without people, without people really knowing that, like just accepting it as like accepting white culture and whiteness values in the workplace. And I'm just like, wow, this is the, I've been really focused on how do I overcome that? And what, and in what ways, in what ways am I able to speak out against that at work? While at the same time, you know, also realizing that like, I still got a job. (laughs) I like, I need to, I need to still have ways to pay for that monthly donation to, you know, that good cause. So I don't know. It's been, I, I was really grateful that we were able to take this time to, at this time that we, you know, we're on our little break to not only do like amplification of other, of like black creators and black content and those causes, but to have that like self-reflection and there was a lot of it. So Good. Yeah. 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 I mean, we kind of like jumped right into it, but you know, dear listener, you, you know that we haven't, we haven't released an episode in a couple of weeks because we did want to, I just thought there was so much power in the conversation and it was ongoing. It wasn't like just a day or two. I mean, you know, not to be cynical, but you know, the revolution will not be televised. It will not be Instagrammed. You know, it's like the, the, there's real, real work to that that needs to be done besides, you know, sharing and posting. However, you know, I do think because we spend so much time on social media and it is informing so much of our lives uh, in so many ways and, um, you know, people are being discovered that way. People are, you know, oh, I was, you know, an Instagram you know, commentator, and now I'm making a movie, you know, I mean, like, there's real, there are real world consequences for what happens on social media, obviously, you know, I mean, the whole, this whole thing is happening, because we're able, we all are walking around with film studios in our pockets, you know, and and we can, or or film, uh, you cameras and things, you know, we can film and we can share and we can say, look, this is the reality that's happening, you know, so there is, there is such power in that, that I do think, you know, taking time to use what reach we have to amplify voices in our, 
in our, particularly our community, you know, we're, you know, we do horror. That's what we do. We've always, you know, Fright School has always existed as a way to, to, to have these conversations w- about horror, which is very problematic in lots of ways. Um, obviously, as we'll talk about in a, a little bit when we discuss uh, Horror Noir, uh, the documentary that we um, watched for this week's episode um, or are doing for this week's episode. You know, so it's like, I just, I, I don't know. It's like trying to find ways to also just incorporate that more you know, ongoing of like, I don't know, the thing that I've sort of realized a lot about this whole time and really taking a step back and analyzing my own complicity, you know, is how much of like my identity is constantly echoed back at me, even if I'm looking for stuff, you know? So as an example, you know, we, we shared, um, a, a meme on, on Instagram that, uh, you know, for us got tons of, you know, interactions about, uh, black vampires and lots of conversation. And, you know, I, I shared the meme one because it was created by the, uh, black comic book nerd, I think is his, um, is his, uh, Twitter uh, or Instagram page. You know, he had created that. And I thought, you know, that's, you know, I, I really like the, the post, give me black vampires and, you know, coming from a black man, like this is, I was like, this is very interesting. Like I'm going to, I'm going to share this. And we re we actually re shared it from somebody else who had shared it, so I kind of had to trace it back to who actually where the original came from. But anyways, the point is, is that I shared that thinking, you know, this is this is amazing. Why don't we have that work? And then there were all these people that came to go. Well, what about this book? And what about this book? And what about this movie? And you know, there are there's so much stuff that it's like I feel like I love vampires and I have searched for these things. Why didn't I find them already? Hmm. You know, so it's like, what is it about? You know, like. I don't know, Google or something that's like omitting black content or something from me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was just one of the things I was thinking about and the way that it's like, I don't necessarily look enough to see how diverse a film is, you know, how much the, you know, who's writing it, who's directing it, you know, who's producing it. You know, for me, it's like, I'm looking for a good horror film that I like, you know? And so I just think that there's, there's so much more out there that I'm just not finding and I'm doing something wrong if I'm not finding it, you know, to some extent, like as, as a mm-hmm. horror fan, you know, cause it's like, I, I mean, some of these books like Octavia, I like, I love Octavia Butler. Why the hell didn't I know about fledgling, you know, which was, is a novel that like, everybody's like, what about, you know, here's, here's an example. And I don't mean the, what about in the sense of like the white woman who came on there and was like, there are black vampires, <laughs> you know, and I have a black husband, that whole thing that happened on the, on our Instagram page. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, yeah. I'm not saying that there's never been a black vampire. Uh, however, in twilight, Don't come onto it, our page and all lives matter us. Right, okay. And I know it was really like, okay, like, no, nobody's obviously blade exists. Um, you know, in twilight, there's a black vampire, but he's the villain, you know? So that's problematic. Like, let's, you know what I mean? Like, let's talk about this. So it's like, there, I don't know. It's just like in this, like, that's just one tiny way, you know, that I'm like, I have, I have a lot of work to do, you know, myself in, in, um, finding and sharing, you know, more content and amplifying voices every day, just, you know, because they're, they are out there. Um, yeah. Along with all the, I mean, there's so much work to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I mean, that's the thing is that like, it's, that's one of the insidious natures, uh, insidious ways that like 
white supremacy like gets into like everyday life is that you don't know that you you don't know that you're missing this entire like this entire con all this content that's been that's like rich and and has um that's very rich and has this depth to it but because like you're for whatever reason you're not able to see it because you know of how it's be considered fringe or it's considered like not yeah. anything. And even like, I, like I've, I've, I've read, I've only read one Octavia Butler spoiler alert. I have read, right. <laughs> <laughs> I read, I've read kindred, but I'm also like, again, I'm not like you where one, I don't really read. And two, um, I'm not like someone who is looking for genre, like, like deep genre content. So I'm not looking mm-hmm. for like, for like super horror or you know sci-fi or anything like that but i've always i've always been interested in the idea of like afrofuturism and the idea that like you know what is content that talks about the future but like all of the con- like all of the popular content about the future like there's no black people so it's like is your ideal future one without black people right and and it's interesting because like again like we can we can have TV shows about vampires where they're out and about and they're out of the coffin, true blood, right? We can have this, that, and the other regarding wizards and witches and aliens, but like the idea that like we can't like black them, like a vamp- black vampire movie or a television show or that a black, black little mermaid. Person. That's crazy. It, it, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I think we, we're also kind of suffering and we meaning like the royal we of like content creators and people out there. It's, and just, and specifically, I guess, directed at like mainstream entertainment networks and businesses. It's like, yeah. you're suffering from a lack of imagination, ironically, like a lack of imagination of the idea that like little mermaid can be black, you know, that it's not like a stunt casting thing that it could actually it would actually make sense in a historical context. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, I... It's just interesting. It's just, you know, these algorithms that run our, like, lives, our searches. It's like, well, you're not Black, so I'm not going to show you these results that include content created by Black people. And it's like, you know, I mean, I feel like I don't, you know, again, that is my suspicion you know it's just because i feel like some of the things that came up on our on this instagram page where i'm like how have i never heard of this how have i never you know because it's like i have looked for the content you know i've got shelves full of you know vampire novels why why is octavia butler's fledgling not on there how how did i not know that that was a thing and again that is one tiny example you know of something that came you know out of this uh you know out of that that conversation and you know I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just, it, it's such a small thing, it seems. But to me, it's like, you know, so much of my knowledge of horror is, you know, I've had, I'm searching for things myself and not finding the full breadth that's out there, you know? So it's like, you have to be, you have to be more specific. And that's, I don't know, it's kind of fucked up. Like, you yeah. know, um, that it just doesn't all, I don't know, come out. But that again, it's just I, I'm kind of taking this little kind of trivial, petty kind of thing, <laughs> but it's not. You know, it's like it speaks to the whole thing of like just the way that like white supremacy, white identity, you know, whiteness is so reinforced everywhere to be yeah. 
you know, the standard, you know, that we're going to start with this content, you know, and you're going to have to really search and find the other content, you know, and part of that Mm -hmm. is because there's not, there's, there isn't enough. And that's what, you know, I was trying to say with the thing, it's like with the, with the posts, it's like, Hey, we can have all that. You can have blade and you can have all these, but it's like, we want more and we want better content. I want content. I want to know where the movies and the books and the TV that are being created, specifically horror created by these communities, written, directed, produced, you know, and given the same value and the same resources as, as you know, any other, you know, white produced content, you know? Um, and I think that's the thing, like what you were saying, um, about kind of the work that you're trying to do in all of this. And, and I've had conversations with white people, you know, about this because it's like, I'm I'm giving money away every month. I'm donating. I'm, you know, trying to educate myself. I'm, you know, like what, what more can I do? You know, some of that like hand wringing of like, I'm not a good person, you know, like what am I doing? You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not the conversation. Like, you know, if you are, and, and I mean, I've said to several of them, you know, Hey, if you're not, if you don't think you're doing enough, go join the protest, go down there, go throw your body in front of, you know, you know, be a human wall in the protest. And I don't mean that to be snarky or, or facetious or anything. I mean, it's like, what, when you say that, like, what do you mean? Like, how, how far are you willing to go, you know, to, to be part of this movement, you know? And so it's yeah. like, Hey, if you're giving support, if you're, you know, you know, donating money to, to people who are protesting to buy supplies, to buy medical supplies, you know, to send food, if you're, you know, uh, if you're able to donate to the bail bonds and, you know, uh, specifically, and I would encourage people to, you know, be in their own cities and their own towns, you know, find out who needs what in your, you know, find out what the community needs in your community, you know, give that your resources, give that your, your energy. But other than, you know, throwing yourself in front of a police gun, you know, at a, at a protest, like really that is, that is amazingly difficult work to like, you know, for any of us to be sitting with our mothers, with our fathers, with our grandmothers, with our brothers, with our sisters, with whoever in our family and go, yo, you're really racist right now. And like, and I'm not trying to, you know, it's like, we have to challenge this and here's the way, you know, not letting people. And this is something that like, I personally have realized I haven't done enough of just in, in my, in my life. Like, there are, there are people in my life who are very, um, you know, on like my brothers, sisters, they have a different father than I do. And so their family is very <laughs> problematic in a lot of ways. And it's been very easy to dismiss them because they are, there's many of them are explicitly racist, you know, like they are proudly racist. And it's easy to go, you're human garbage and you're gross and I'm not talking to you. And I've cut all those people. I don't engage with that side of the family, um, you know, because it's just, there's for me i feel like there's no point you know i mean they have tattoos they have things they have permanent things that they that they walk around the world with every day that screams i'm a racist you know i'm a nazi i'm a kkk you know because that's what all that reads to me you know it's easy to say fuck you i'm not going to talk to you you don't deserve the privilege of my company certainly uh you know i'm not i'm just not going to do that but then there are other times where think people say things like they post things, you know, I share an article and somebody says something that's like, it's not explicitly racist, but it's like, it's problematic, you know, and you try to engage with it and you try to talk and like either they do or they don't get it. Um, and then if they don't get it, I just delete them. I block them and I'm, you know, I move on. I don't necessarily work to challenge it. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. like something that I personally want to work on. Cause even though I'm like, 
quote-unquote pro-violent protest, I really don't like, like, I really don't want to see people hurt. I don't want a confrontation. You know, I want us to be able to talk and I want us to be able to, you know, I want people to be able to look at this videos and pictures and history and go, this is wrong. This is fucked up. We don't need to burn everything to the fucking ground, you know, to, to, to prove that. Like, you know, we need to have a difficult conversation, unfortunately, again, because violence is the language of the oppressor. It's the language we have to work in. And I'm a hundred percent for that, but I just, I personally confrontation is it's very uncomfortable. And so I have avoided a lot of uh, difficult conversations with people that I think could be saved if I tried a little harder. And so that's something that I'm personally trying to commit to more, you know, especially people I love and care about. You know, and going like, I do want us to have a relationship, but you cannot walk around talking like this. <laughs> you can't, you, you just can't like, it's, it's, you have to change. You have to grow. You have to do the work, you know, and you yeah. have to stop asking black people to do it for you or Brown, you know, the whole BBI POC, you know, group say, you know, women, queer people, like you have to stop thinking that it's their responsibility to teach you that they're human, you know, and that they deserve yeah. a life as complex and rich as yours. Um, you know, and I, so I think that that has been something that I really personally have to commit to. Um, and yeah. that's, you know, thankfully to some of our guests who have been on the show and I see them do that, you know, and jump in on my, you know, on my comments and I go, you know, I, I should have done that. I should have jumped in and said something, you know, but I've had, I have had long had a problematic view that I posted something that speaks for me. That end all be all. This person's words, I wish I would have written them. That's what I have to say on the matter. You can fight with each other in my comment section all you want. I don't care. I'm not going to get involved. And that's, you know, I have to not do that. I have to engage, you know, because it's giving, it, it creates the, the, the idea that they have a safe space to say racist, sexist, homophobic mm -hmm. shit, you know, that it's equal. And that's not been my intention. My intention is just to be, be like, I don't. I don't want to fight with people on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, same. Like I, I'm very aware that like, you know, that kind of, I, I recently took um, this like bystander intervention training through this uh, group called Hollaback that um, is doing some free bystander intervention trainings on the, this was specifically geared towards um, when you see Asian American uh, racist like things out and about either online or in public. And so one of the things that they mentioned, and it's something that I've always felt is that like, you know, people who get into it in the comments, like, you know, if you're going to buy, if you're going to intervene, uh, be a bystander, that's going to intervene in, in like pu public space, like physical public space, you know, that can, that's going to end there. Like, you know, you're going to intervene, things are going to subside and then that's going to end there. But like on the internet, it could live forever. So like, you know, people will find your comment or, and like, you know, come in and come for you. Um, and it can be endless. Um, and there's no, like, there's no recourse for that. There's no person that you can say, Hey, do that without the poster or you like removing comments. So what I've, what I've been, I've been very conscious of that. And just like you, like, I'm not a confrontational I'm not a person who likes having uncomfortable or courageous conversations with people, but um, I felt like I felt like in the last two weeks I've been more aware of what people are saying on comments because I usually don't read them. 
Yeah. And now I've started to, and, and I'm like, Ooh, like that's like, there people like uh, are posting, you know, a white woman on, on my, on my feed was posting something in support of uh, defunding and prison abolition. And then all of like what I assume are her friends started posting comments that were just like these, again, like, again, you like well-meaning, but like very much like uh, approaching that like problematic aspect of like basically telling black people how to feel and how to riot and, you know, word choice and all of this stuff. And it's just like, you guys are missing the point. Like you're missing the point. This is not, (laughs) you can say all you want this, that, and the other, but this is absolutely not how, um, this is absolutely not how you should be engaging. And I, and I think I said it, you know, I, I bring out my best, um, I bring up my, I try to come in with the best intentions of like, look, everybody, I like, I just want you all to recognize the privilege that you're holding for being able to like, tell someone how they should feel. And it's like, right. you know, where, why are you doing it? You know, basically asking all these questions and again, not directing it at anybody in particular, um, I did, <laughs> I did post on another friend's, he, one of, uh, one of his friends started using a, an MLK quote, like misquoting in the worst way to like justify something. And then I was like, no, this is not good. But again, like, just like you, Joshua, it's just, I, it's that constant conversation of like talking with people and what I found interesting too is that like there are people in my life, like white people in my life, who have like actually asked me in the last couple of weeks, like have have there been any moments where I've not where I've been problematic? And I was like, okay, well, I understand where I understand where that comes from because I also have this like deep, like rooted desire to be like correct in any place that I am. It's just, course, you know, yeah. I need to know how to, I need to, I need to know how to act, not just because, um, you know, I want to be proper, but like propriety equals safety, right. And in, in the different situations, because mainly if I'm coming at it from like a queer perspective. So it's been interesting to get those kinds of questions with people and like, have to assess uh, whether or not I'm going to tell you the like 100% full truth (laughs) um, right then and there of your past transgressions, or if I'm just going to say, this is how, but like, let me, like, I will definitely tell you moving forward, you know? And, and also just the, again, the emotional labor of having to do that of like, basically you're asking for like, you know, how have I wronged you? I'm like, just assume that you have because it's, you know, whiteness and white supremacy are, you know, pervasive. So just assume that you have and just do better and recognize that you can. (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, and again, I mean, we're, you know, we're not, I mean, even just now, like talking about that, it's so hard. There's so much nuance. There's so many layers, you know, it's like, we're talking about little events and big events, you know, I mean, there's so much to be, reckoned with you know when you're talking about living in an entire system that is built on you know on structural racism and you know white supremacy and everything you know and i think like something you said earlier like i've been having difficult conversations at work as well because you know medicine psychiatry i mean it's built on a lot of the ideas of white men you know that are still you utilized today to to to, um, describe the norm you know, to describe how humans should be. 
and what healthy looks like and what mentally healthy looks like. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been really, I don't know. It's, it's very, very hard because there's so much hierarchy, you know, where I work and so much of this like respectability kind of thing. It's like, you know, if one of our leaders says something ridiculous, well, she's the CEO, he's the CEO of this place. You know, it's like, I, yeah, but I'm still going to tell him he's a fucking racist idiot, you know, but there's like this, this level of like, <gasps> you can't say that to that person, you know, and that's very difficult. I think, you know, it's really, really hard. And I think, you know, and for me, a lot of times like feminism is, is kind of, has been my big thing, you know, Mm-hmm. thing that I've always pushed for, you know, uh, you know, is, is, you know, this idea of like w- women's equality, um, no matter, you know, where she is on the spectrum of human, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so sometimes, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, have a, a hard time like challenging doctors or people where it's like, he's being a total, like, misogynist right now but it gets very like oh yeah but you know he's a doctor and we don't want to say you know and it's like it's so fucked up how much stuff respectability and hierarchy those kind of politics are so fucked up and keep us from changing you know and keep us from you know because there's this idea of the right way to have these conversations you know oh we should send him to this six-month training course you know to learn that women are people like it's fucked up you know the whole idea of the way yeah you know and again it just it creates a thing because then it's like, oh, i have to do this thing and it's more you know it's just like it's so i don't know it's really fucked up to me the way that so much of this is structured around like respectability and politeness and the right way to do things and i've long said you know i've probably said it on this show and i've certainly said it to many women in my life i don't see why things aren't on fire more often you know because it's you know i mean it's just really fucked up how our society treats women and obviously you know black people and every you know everybody who's not white male rich you know this society is just not accommodating it's so it's just fucked up so i don't know (laughs) and and again that comes down to like the the privilege of anger, the privilege of who gets to mm-hmm. be angry, who gets to be hostile. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, you know, there's plenty of these people that I see posting this kind of shit that have also bragged about her, you know, going off on somebody at Starbucks, you know, and it's like, okay, so your rage over somebody incorrectly, you know, making your coffee. Like that's justified to blow up at some minimum wage worker who's helped, you know, a thousand people today, you know, and you know, I mean, things happen, you're human mistakes happen. And like the large scale structural systemic racism that leads to murder constantly in this country of black men and women. um, That's not, that's not okay to be like, you know, quote unquote irrational. You yeah. know, it's like, it's just really, it's very disturbing, you know, just like even the privilege of that. Like sometimes I think, Oh yeah. You know, and that is, I mean, and that's something I have to work. Cause I like, I have my own anger issues just because I just get so angry at the system, you know, and sometimes you just kind of blow up and you think, I wonder if people like feel unsafe around me sometimes, <laughs> you know, just because it's like, I have, <sighs> what, how do I want to put it? Like, 
I just, I don't have a problem with being mad. Like, this is fucked up. This is bullshit. We should not be treated this way. This should not be our reality. And other people can be very like, like, don't get too mad, you know, but also like, you know, you know, like I'm also, I'm a six foot tall. I weigh, you know, 250 some pounds. Like I'm a big dude, you know, like being very angry in a small office space sometimes, (laughs) you know, it's like, there's a certain privilege in that, you know, of of like not being perceived as a threat, you know? Mm -hmm. I get like this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we've flown, we've we've flown together, so like you know, <laughs> so you know how how crazy it can get on the airplane. Right. Um, I mean, that's just that's a very that's a very um, that's a very flip way of of. The, but I, I see what you mean because like I'm the I'm the opposite. Like I I like don't get mad. Like people get really freaked. People get really freaked out when they've seen me like get really angry. Um, and get really upset about something and it's it thankfully it hasn't been like the majority of um majority of people that i know but it's so fascinating because i'm just like well yeah like this is kind of always bubbling under the surface i just like don't i just know that i either can't change anything or nothing's going to change there's you know it's the serenity prayer except the things you cannot change and it's like well there's there's ways that you can change uh, anyway long story long <laughs> before i i'm already rambling but long story long it's just like i i'm like i'm the opposite way where it's like i don't express when i'm like dissatisfied with something enough and so i'm just kind of like okay well we just accept it and move on and now i'm i'm realizing that like no like we can we can speak out against that like and and that's the thing i'm the opposite because it's like i won't go off at the person for getting my order wrong at starbucks but i will like you know petition and protest and (laughs) and donate money for like systemic uh to like combat systemic racism yeah so like but yeah that's that's a really interesting thing joshua it's like those people who you know they're very very quick to like go off on the person at the counter. It's an entitlement, and, you know. Yeah. White people like feel entitled to rage and and, and to anger and they feel entitled like, you know, black people owe them an explanation for what they're doing. You know, we see that in so many of these videos, these like quote unquote Karen videos, you know, of mm. like you know, no, I'm a white woman and I'm asking you to explain yourself and you owe me an explanation. You know, there's this whole thing, you know, the just bubbling under again. I mean, gosh, we're like we said we were going to have a quick conversation and now we're like, I was like, I knew, you know, <laughs> um, it's just because there's had... so much to discuss. There's so much to unpack. And it's just like, there's so many ways that this fucking shit. So is insidious. So like weeks, maybe like a month ago before, um, before the uprising started, I was in a call. I was in just like a zoom hangout with, um, our dear, our dear friend of the pod, uh, Dr. TJ Talley. And we were talking like about Karen, like we were talking about the idea of Karen yeah, and that how construct, yeah. that construct of like what a Karen is. Cause I, I approached it from the idea of like, what do you call a male Karen? <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> Oh, like Kyle or Chad or Chad. Know, yeah. I say Chad a lot or yeah, um, yeah. Kevin. I hear a lot re- recently, but, but the idea of like Karen specifically, and this is all from the conversation I had with TJ is 
the idea that like as a white woman it's paradoxical because like as a white woman she knows that she has no power but at any point her power is derived from being able to call upon white maleness like cis white maleness to assist her in it so like being able to call upon the state to rain hellfire on the like you know unassuming unsuspecting uh people of color that are around her and i thought that was most interesting because like it necessarily admits that karen has no power when in act like structurally has no power to affect anything but is a but because they are because of proximity to whiteness they are able to call upon it and it almost gives them like this untold kind of power. Well, you know, I actually think that's a great place to um, to just you know move in. We're not taking a break today. We're just going to move in. So I think that's actually the perfect place to start with t- discussing horror noir. Um, you know, a history of black horror. Uh, it's a 2019 American documentary film. Dear listener, if you've not seen it, uh, it is it is required content. Everybody, if you are a horror fan and you have not seen a uh, horror noir, that's bullshit. And it's available for free. Like if you just look up Shudder, um, I think it's still available for free. If you just look up Shudder, horror noir, go right to the main page of it, the, the the landing page for horror noir, and it's free. It's available. I don't. You don't even need a Shudder account. You don't need to pay for it. It's free right now. Uh, so and inexcusable. And in the future, if it is not free, you should still buy it because you should still support. But oh, like 100%. But- yeah. But like right now in this current moment, it is free and there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want to hear like, oh, I don't have the two ninety nine, the three ninety nine to rent it. Like, what? No. Yeah, you need watch to it. watch it. Uh, and it is, um, it's directed by Xavier Bergen, and it's based on uh, there's. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's considered a textbook. Uh, but uh, 2011 uh, Horror Noir, Blacks and American Horror Films from the 1890s to Present by Robin Armines Coleman, uh, PhD, uh, did it, uh, wrote the book. And so, uh, and I believe she... Um, a, she's, one of the, she's one of the main presenters on it, too. Yeah, but produced or I think an executive producer um, yes. as well uh, on it. So, you know... So just to kind of dive in with what you're saying, because that's kind of where horror noir starts with, um, you know, Birth of a Nation and this idea of, like, white women being in eternal danger from, you know, this savage, quote unquote, you know, black person, black man. Uh, You know, so that it's so deep in our consciousness you know, I mean, that film is from 1915, but obviously these stereotypes existed long before that. Um, you know, but that's that is such a thing in culture that you mm-hmm. know white women must be protected. You know, they're they're a protected class. They have privileges, and you know, in, in some ways, obviously, there's that. Um, you know, there's the idea of like the matrix of oppression. You know, the intersectionality of oppression. There's lots of different ways we have or don't have power. But really, in horror, and particularly the way that Black people are used in horror, it is is this like threat to whiteness, and especially to white women. And so, mm-hmm. the, this Karen figure, you know, has kind of come, I think, out, you know, obviously out of that. I mean, there's the entitlement. There's the, you know, like I was saying, that you know, you owe me an explanation for what you're doing and why you're here. And that power you're talking about is this: is the is is systemic violence that can be used to punish you. For, you know, we see that with like the Emmett Till case, for instance, you know, that the, 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 the that's based on a lie yeah. um, that nobody ever still paid for, you know, but, you know, utilizing this 
crime or i mean this uh this power to punish yeah you know so we see that very early and that's like kind of where the documentary starts and in, in analyzing where this figure is in horror you know and that the birth of a nation i mean that like uh what is it it's um uh, Tanana Rivdu, um, yes. Uh, well, t- yeah, Tanana Rivdu, who's also she's one of the executive producers. She teaches a class called the Sunken Place, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, black history is black horror. You know, this film. It's like this. I mean, this isn't. This is real life. You know, mm-hmm. like we watch horror films as white people or as non-black people. You know, and you watch a film and you go, "Oh my gosh, these people—they're just out for a drive, and now they've been attacked by this force and you know, killed or maimed or you know, injured in some other way." And it's like, well, yeah, that's that's some people's realities. Like every day, yeah. you know, you get in a car, you take your, you know, you go walking, you, you know, you, you know, you're trying to engage in society. You're jogging. You're, you know, buying, you know, this or that, you know, and it's like your your whole life is like this, you know. So I, I really that's um, that quote right off the the top of the the film is like, <laughs> here we go, <laughs> you know, that 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 this is um, a reflection of the real life of people rather than yeah. you know some mythical thing like you know white people we engage in horror is this like fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this thing that like, this could never happen to us, really. You know, so we're enjoying the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, where these five kids are just out and about trying to live their life and they all get murdered. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, oh, Joshua, that's a great point. <laughs> because, I mean, we've often talked about like the movies that are not like horror genre, but like our real life horror based on like the real life horror of the circumstances or whatever. And that's such an interesting concept that you just brought where it's just like, you know, I think about like funny games, right. Or the strangers where it's just like, Oh, you know, or just, Oh, random, a random act of violence. Whereas like for an entire like people (laughs) who have a particular skin color, like this random act of violence is a very real thing. Yeah, and it's not even random. It's structural and embedded yeah. into our mm-hmm. whole society as normal. You know, mm-hmm. it has been ratified, this violence. You know, we've seen pe- people don't pay for it. You know, there's no punishment, you know. And now, and that's where, you know, obviously a lot of this, it's great that we're seeing cops be arrested and held accountable. We'll see if they get actually convicted. We'll see if they actually serve prison time or end up on death row like anybody else. Who, you know, it's depending on the, the, the state you live in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not necessarily for capital punishment i'm not trying to endorse anything there that's a whole other conversation we can get into but i'm just saying you know like other people are held accountable for murder in you know in very serious ways uh, up to having their life taken from them so you know will that we see that happen to a bunch of police officers uh that you know that's a question that you know remains to we'll see how this how this uh, plays out um but i just think that that's a really good kind of uh place that this documentary starts you know of just like look at this film that i think they said in it like woodrow wilson actually played like at the white house and that this like that it was like yeah this is like this is life this is how you know these people are mm-hmm. you know that this is a warning this is something that you know, white America needs to be aware of, you know, it's just so fucked up <laughs> when, you know, alone at night in a suburb, it can become a black nightmare. One, um, I don't, uh, one of the um, interviewees in it, you know, said that off the beginning about get out where he's walking. It's like, well, there's my nightmare. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. just walking alone in a white suburb. <laughs> I think it was the director of tales of the hood. Okay. Who said that? Yeah. 
yeah, I was just like, this is, you know, I, yeah, it contextualizes the whole of horror noir. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on that note, right. So on the get out note, I, so I've been like carefully curating, um, specifically my mom, cause, um, she and I watch a lot of TV together. So carefully curating her, um, um, her anti-racist media diet. <laughs> and so we, and, and again, it's like, you know, I try to do it, um, you know, I believe in the power of storytelling. I believe in the power of like that empathy and how that can like, you can really feel something and that can lead to wanting to educate yourself more about issues. So I showed her American son on Netflix and then I showed her, um, um, I showed her get out and I didn't tell her it was a horror film because I knew that that's like not going to make her watch it. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, here, let's watch get out. And so we watched it and, you know, besides the breakfast at places where she's going to get the different, the jump scares, every time I watch Get Out, I just realize how much more brilliant it is because, like, you knowing what's going to happen in the end, everything is beautifully set up. Like, there is an honesty that pervades, like, that. that's the through line through it. Um, that's amazing. So... Yeah, so I was telling her about it, and then, you know, my mom's whole thing, and, like, it's just, you know, at the end, she was like, get him! Like, when Chris is trying to escape, and, yeah. you know, and and starts fucking all the white people up at the end. Um, and I had a really great discussion with her. Um, prior to this, I showed her a video from the Huffington Post in conjunction with The, uh, with the Roots, um, is uh, about microaggressions. And so when the party scene happens, I was like, mom, you just need to watch this. Like, this is what you should like. And then she start. now she started to see that a little bit in everything that we're watching lately about like how these microaggressions happen and what's kind of being reflected back to, back to her. Um, that being said, like, you know, she, she was like, you, you told me it wasn't a horror film. Like, I never said that. I said it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> But she ended up liking it. She did end up liking it a lot. And she had a, the, I rented it. And at the very end of the rental, it automatically shows the alternate ending that they filmed. And so when we watched the alternate ending, she was like, woo, like, you know, it hits in a certain way, like the idea. And when the police have, like in the very, in the first ending, when you see the lights happen, that, I was hoping for that reaction of like, oh no, we all know what's about to happen next. Right. Is that he's going to get, yeah. Because again, that's like what we've come to see in, um, in, in our own society is that like, even though no matter that he is the, like, he's in completely in the right, he is about to get, you know, potentially murdered at the hands of the state. Yeah, absolutely. Which we have seen play out. And I, I do appreciate Jordan Peele. You know, he discusses this with it, with, you know, in Horror Noir that it's like, you know, he wanted to give hope and he wanted to like, we've seen that movie. We've seen that video. We've seen that story. Um, and even though that does feel, you know, more quote unquote realistic, you know, in, in within the context of, you know, the world we live in to, to go ahead and have a happy ending, I mean, is, you know, yeah it's it's such a strong choice and it is nice you know what i mean it was really cuz i remember seeing that with you in the theater and 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 having that like oh fuck well you yeah, know and, and, and we saw it like we saw it in a full movie theater yeah. opening weekend and like 
the movie that because it was a double feature day for us yeah and so we saw like a cure for wellness which is forgettable and there was no one in there and then and then we went and saw um get out right afterwards and then like it was like night and day not only was the theater packed but it was like all of these black and brown faces and then the occasional like white couple (laughs) that was like that's in there that you always you know that it's just their movie night and they just go pick whatever um but like to hear the to hear the collective fuck oh no groans when the when those police lights come on and it's just like oh my god like we and you and i were just like i could feel the i could feel the change in the room and then when it's revealed yeah. that it's rod that comes in yeah when the uh, door open it's like says airport and everybody you yeah. know the whole energy change you know everybody starts clapping and cheering yeah. and they're just like that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. You know, and that's kind. Of, you know, and that's obviously through. You know, the that the through line of horror noir. You know, is tracing this history, and you know, so you know, you get to you get to get out after so much you know, exploitation and, you know, they go into, you know, we, we posted a few weeks on uh, ago on our Facebook page. I, you know, just wrote a little thing about, you know, it's a joke, you know, in the horror film community of like the black guy always dies first. And even though that isn't always true, uh, I think in some of the films, we, you know, the thing we've done that, you know, ends up the black character is there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there are plenty of examples, you know, again, where, people do survive through, you know, to the end, black people, um, survive through to the end, you know, it's a joke and it's a stereotype for a reason, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because in the majority they, you know, they are these sort of, you know, characters that are like, you know, as they discussed in the film, either sacrificial or magical or spiritual, you know, Negro, you know, concepts, constructs, you know, to further advance, you know, the white protagonist. Um, and, you know, so to go, you know, to, to have Get Out kind of play a little bit with that, with that, you know, especially in the end where it's kind of like um, Night of the Living Dead, which Jordan mm-hmm. Peele mentions in Horror Noir being influential on Get Out, even though he it wasn't like conscious, at least according to him, that it wasn't like on purpose. But it's like you do have that moment, you know, where uh, this is going to be so bleak again like that with our uh, our uh, night of the living dead episode like the secret yes. word is bleak <laughs> because it is you go through this whole journey and you know with this person only to have them shot down or murdered at the end of it, it i mean it's so like <sighs> just you know leave you know takes the air out so playing with that i thought was is very brilliant yeah um, you and- know nice mm-hmm. way to kind of wrap this whole like the history yeah and and again like it's it- this watching horror noir again it was just like yeah that's the reason why when people ask me what are my like top three top five favorite films that we've done i always put night of the living dead on there because i remember watching it and how shocked i was that like at the time like you know 1960s we we see like this like dark black man who's trying to run shit and you know mm-hmm. i just i need to get I like is. you know he's yeah. in charge in that movie yeah and i just like i need to get like some sort of print or t-shirt or something where it's just like his face and it's like i'm the boss up here you're the boss down there and i remember yeah. how i felt like just so first time seeing night of the living dead feeling so disheartened about the ending 
And it's like, wow. And I think Horror Noir does a really good job of like, again, what we also strive to do on our show is like placing films in their historical context and that sometimes films are like directly reflecting exactly what the context of history that they're living in. Yeah. And even if it's not on purpose, you Mm -hmm. know, like, it's not like I think that people go, Oh, nine 11 happened. And now I'm going to make this film as a response to that. It's more of like, you know, you're in the middle of like night of the living dead, this, like, I mean, the era of like the civil rights movement and there's so much violence and so much conversation kind of, you know, like now where there's just like these uprisings and, you know, and they make this, this zombie movie, <laughs> you know, in the middle of that, that just speaks to <sighs> through a horror film, the whole conversation, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, going on. And I just, it's just amazing, you know, that, that horror does that, you know? And I, and I think that's kind of some of the reviews of the, of, of this documentary is like, wow, you know, horror, you know, there's, there's so much to be examined there. (laughs) It's like, you know, horror noir is this like awesome, like, you know, for like what we do on this show, you know, of like trying to contextualize horror and give it, you know, this, um, uh, level of importance that I think that it deserves. Uh, you know, this, this, this documentary really is a testament to that, you know, that horror is very worthy of examination And plays a major role in pop culture and the way that we perceive ourselves and others. Yeah, absolutely, a- a- absolutely. Again, like, and that's the and that's the function of just all like culture studies, especially like popular culture studies. It's it's a way. How do you how do like systems inform that? Right. So you know, we're not we're. I, I, it's always funny because like you have an entire show. I, I get asked that a lot. You have an entire show that just talks about like horror films. And like, yeah, but like, we're also talking about like why they're important. And then people look at me like, uh, important. They're just fun. And I'm like, "Mm, fun is part of the importance. But again, like, again, like that, I think I forget who it was in the documentary, but they were talking about, um, the, uh, it, it was that scene in Blackula where he like, can't see himself. And he's like, you need to be able to see yourself. Uh, because he's a vampire. So like, you need to be able to see yourself and look yourself in the mirror. And I'm like, yeah, you need to be able, the importance of like that type of representation. And yeah, it was, I I forget that he was an actor. I think he was an actor in Blackula, but um, yeah. So like, you need to be able to see yourself. And again, like it's, I know he's talking with Ken Foray during that, but I can't remember. You're, you're commenting the, the horror noir is commenting on like that, those various aspects of like, of representation too. It's like, it talks about like, okay, black people from birth of a nation are seen as the villain. And then when they're in the absence of like actual black people or black faces, monsters with black features stand in for them. And then all of a sudden they're brought back, but as servants and then, you know, just like the idea of like, okay, so as we see more of these uh, more black bodies on screen, how does a the blackness um, their blackness get erased or is not commented on and then onto the and then b how is that part of the narrative but then is twisted or distorted so like you know talking about like the black exploitation or all these other things so i, I 
I love horror noir for that specific reason too. It's just like, it chronicles like representation. And it also makes me reflect about like the amount of like, Pacific Islander representation, which there's like none. <laughs> Moana, <laughs> we um, we get the rock, um, and th- and right. that's pretty much it. But like you know, as him being like this ethnically ambiguous character, um, and so so yeah, so just it it part of the reason why I I really gravitate towards these particular studies about like race and representation in media is because I feel like for for people like me who are like, you know, Chamorro native, native Pacific Islander people, there's still a long way for us to go to get anywhere close to, uh, you know, anywhere close to that kind of representation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, I think it's Keith David who was in the thing. It's Keith yeah. David and mm-hmm. Kim Ray talking. And I think he's the one who says like that. It's a, that it's such a pressure uh, to go back to your, the black yellow comment that that's so prescient. Like, um, this idea of like, you know, a man has got to see his face, has got to see his representation, has got to see himself reflected. You know, I mean, it's kind mm-hmm. of this amazing thing. That's one of the biggest things. Um, so so t- my big takeaway from Horror Noir, since you were kind of sharing what, you know, your thoughts were, is how, is like how, I don't want to say, dismissive but i guess that's probably the best word like the horror community has been with um a lot of black creative content like blackula for instance you know to hear the you know and um we didn't really say <laughs> like all, all the people that are in this like keith david jordan peele rachel true from the craft tony todd Candyman, uh tanana Reevedu, um you know, uh, I mean, there's so many people in this, in this, uh, documentary, uh, Loretta Devine, um, you know, that, that horror fans would recognize from all kinds of, you know, just this huge spectrum of, of films, but to have a lot of them talk about Blackula, for instance, which has kind of always felt like this, you know, this exploitation film that I feel has been dismissed, you know, by white, you know, culture to some extent, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to talk about the importance of it, you know, you know there's, um, I don't, I, I don't remember if it was Rachel that was talking about it, or maybe it was Tanana Reeve, um, talking about how like, this is the 1700s and you have these erudite, you know, aristocratic, yeah, vampires, you know, who are king and queen and they're trying to negotiate to end the, like the slave trade and you know that that like just that was you know such a change from or just such an important representation you know f- of black people you know that you just didn't really see and then to kind of have you know the film go on and i mean just a lot of people referenced it throughout the throughout the um Horror noir, so many different elements of it being, you know, so important. And I think, gosh, there, there's all these films that I was writing some of them down, like Ganjin Hess that I never uh, saw before. Um, I think I've seen Eve's Bayou, but it's been a very long time. Uh, so I wrote that down too, because I want to watch that. And I think that, you know, these are some movies that we should uh, explore in upcoming um, episodes, you know, just because there was so much interesting commentary on them and you know cultural you know attribution of 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 like their importance and i'm just like i again it's that echo chamber of identity where it's like why why haven't i seen these films why haven't mm-hmm. i sat down and watched these um why haven't i heard of some of them you know yeah. uh, if we're out here in the horror community you know where 
that kind of goes back to my earlier comments about how, you know, how we get content, how things get shared with us. I, I just feel like my like takeaway was how much I, I still don't know about horror, you know, that there was so many films and so much content out there that looks incredible and that I need to engage with, um, mm-hmm. you know, more <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and find and make the, and make that effort to, um, to engage, you know, with it because it's like, you know, so last night I joined an event uh, with Dark Hills, uh, Dark Hills event, they had a Candyman sc- uh, screening together, and we were talking. And I was saying how, like, generally, I'm dismissive. I'm dismissive of writers, producers, you know, directors of things because they asked me who my favorite horror director was, and I'm like, I don't, uh, I really, I really don't know. I mean, I love Wes Craven, um, I love Ari Aster and the work that he's doing. I love Jordan Peele. I love what he's doing with horror. You know, there's lots of people that I'm like, you know, John Carpenter. I mean, there's lots of people that I like, but I don't really. There's a lot of times that I don't. That our show is not about film production. You know, Fright School is not. That's not what it's about. Fright School is about building, you know, this uh, this idea of, like, cultural anxiety and why we make horror. So a lot of times I don't necessarily pay attention to who's writing things and who's producing. And, I mean, that's a blind spot. And, so, and, and again, that's something that I'm realizing, like, I do want to pay more attention to. And I want to know, like, you know, where, where the where these stories are coming from and how, and how they're being created. But it's just like, it's never been, I've always been, I'm just going to watch this horror film regardless of who's made it and think about what it says about our culture. And so I think that that's been, that's been a huge takeaway from watching this documentary, which I have seen before I saw when it came out and we're, you know, rewatched it and, you know, we've talked about it, we've shared things from it. And, you know, there are, there are people in it that I've, you know, read their work or, you know, seen, but it's like, every time I watch this, it is just, it, it does further remind me of like how much work I, I want to do around who is creating and saying what, you yeah. know, which is which is a conversation that is being which has always been a conversation that people have been having. Um, we talked with uh, Chelsea Stardust about you know she mentioned that she told that story about like how she like okay how many women do you have working with you how many trans folks yeah. like all of this stuff so like there's a way. I, I feel like there's an, a, a conscious effort by directors, filmmakers to include these people. I mean, that's one of the ways that like transparent um, get, you know, gets to where it is because not only is it like, yes, it's yes. Is it problematic that you're having like a cis head white male portray like a trans woman, but at the same time, right. like the production itself is the creator is like, you know, this non-binary person they employ a ton of from cast to crew to make up a bunch of like trans people. And so, and that's one of the things it's like you, there's so many jobs and there's so much um, of that creative aspect of it that goes into it that we, you know, I, I like, you're, you're right. Like, it's like, we have to take that into consideration. Like, for example, like, I think um, um, someone posted recently, like, you know, yeah, if your theater wants to produce American Son, like, it was written by a white person, or like the idea that like, Call Me By Your Name was written by a straight man, right? So like, the, the right. book was written by a straight man. So, you know, it's, it's goes back to that conversation about like, who gets to tell our stories? Well, we should be the ones that get that get to tell our stories and how do we do that 
to how do we do that in the most honest way that's possible? Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, this is something that I also got from um, our dear friend, Dr. TJ Talley. Um, he posted this on Facebook and I saved it, is um, sometimes I've, I talk about the idea of like the death of the author, right? So like once the once the creative work is out there, it's the people who consume it that make the meaning from it and the author's intent is dead. Um you just kind of mentioned that a little bit with like, you know, you're, we're not really about like auteurs. We're not about directors. We are about like the work itself. Like we let the work stand alone and we determine the meaning and its place in society and history. And so one of the things that, uh, that I saw, and it, this is specifically in related in response to uh, recent comments by JK Rowling, recent anti-trans comments by JK Rowling. And yeah. You know, it's the idea that, like, you know, um, I'm just going to read it from the post. Is that in the world of literary analysis these days, the author is no longer dead. We don't do that anymore. The author is a ghost hanging over your shoulder. You can interpret their work any way you want, and they can and they can have no say in it. But you, as a reader, must acknowledge that the original intentions are there. Their personal history and the times they lived are in there. So it's the idea, yeah. not so much that the author is dead, but the author is a ghost was fascinating like really touched me because i i've always said that i'm someone who like let's make like we're the ones who make the meaning let's make the meaning work for us let's make these systems this text that is problematic work for us but in actuality you know we can't erase intention we shouldn't erase intention we need right. to accept that that was the context it made but understand that while that hangs over us we are we still have that power to get from it what we need, um, which is what people have been talking about with like Harry Potter in relation to like, you know, right. JK Rowling infamous turf. So. Absolutely. And I mean, that goes to the whole conversation around the art of monstrous man, you know, mm -hmm. and I do want to say it's like, it's not necessarily that we don't obviously consider those things. You know, we do all the time on this show where we're like, you know, here's a film that was written by a woman and directed by a woman or, written by a man you know or directed by a black man about the black i mean it does happen like where we do that it's just like in my everyday life i don't think yeah. too much about you know and especially because i am like there are so much there's so many problematics in culture and in art you know i, I think there's all kinds of you know music and television and things where you're just like god the person who made this is such trash but wow this is beautiful this is a beautiful work or it's inspiring you know this or that you know and so it's like people who you know read harry potter and got something out of it and loved it you know i it, i i get i get that you know where they're coming from where they feel like betrayed or you know by it but it's like Think about all the films that, you know, the Weinstein company produced, you know, that yeah. are quote unquote beautiful movies or things that spoke to the human experience that it's just, you know, like, I don't know. That's an, that is an ongoing battle. You know, the art of, of, of the, of monstrous people, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but anyways, back just to kind of, you know, back to horror noir. I mean, there's so much in here that is just amazing, you know, uh, and that, you know, you really do see the you know reflections of the black experience in so many different ways like they talk about um like blackenstein and or blackenstein and um you know these other films where it's like these like experimentation on black bodies which is like a very real life thing being spoken through in horror uh 
films, um, you know, trying to find ways to um, exercise retribution. One of the people talks, uh, one of the um, um, interviewees uh, talks about that and, you know, and, and engaging with horror in that way, you know, trying to, you know, find ways to have that revenge fantasy. Um there was oh the son of Ingagi was that how it was pronounced Ingagi yeah. normalizing mm-hmm. yeah normalizing the black experience that there's this um there's like a wedding in it and you have a a, a female scientist one of the uh, a female black scientist you know one of the earliest like um depictions, depictions of, of that female on, black know, scientist and, yeah yeah, within um, STEM, um, you know, uh, science, technology, engineering, math, if you don't uh, know the STEM um, acronym. Uh, you know, it's like, it's just, it, it, there were just so many really amazing points being made about, you know, about the everyday experiences, everyday lives being reflected in these horror films. And then of course, analyzing like tokenism, analyzing, you know, like we were saying earlier, these magical you know, spiritual, sacrificial concepts. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's such a, it's just such a great documentary um, with such a huge history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, it's this like kind of just, I, I feel this documentary really proves the foundation of our show of like, of analyzing horror in this lens. Like, it's just so when you watch this and engage with it and, and then, you know, find the people who are involved and in, in what they're creating, what they're writing about horror. I mean, you just clearly see this, you know, you can lay these films right over, you know, this map of history and just see how they, you know, comment ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very incredible. So again, it is definitely required viewing for all horror fans, I believe, um, especially, especially white people need to engage with this content um, and think about it. Think about some of our favorite horror films and horror villains who, you know, benefit from white supremacy <laughs> and, you know, how, how that is used, um, you know, within horror. Um I did want to also encourage people. I'm I'm going to do this uh, class. So um, Tanana Reeve and Stephen Barnes have a class. If you go to, I think it's the sunken, the sunken uh, It is a class, a uh, six week workshop on film and literature of black horror, uh, including they have uh, different lectures. Uh, I, Tony Todd is part of it. Um, and it's a, you can get, it's usually $349 right now. They have it for 98. So, I mean, I know like the varying degrees of, of affordability for folks, but, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm very interested to see how this is structured. I think it's a very, uh, cool, um, idea and being able to offer this online is, is very cool. So I wanted to, uh, promote that and encourage people if you can, you know, buy the course, take it. Um, I plan to, and, uh, I don't know, maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we'll do a special side series or something on, mm-hmm. on it. Um, uh, that, that could be awesome. cool or just, or just something that we can, you know, talk about ongoing. Um, and then we're, we'll post in the comments. You sent me a really great, so kind of to wrap this back around to our first comment about what we can do, you know, educate yourselves, read, you know, have those difficult conversations and we'll share you talk a little bit about what you sent me that the course it's like, a yeah. So, um, in 
one of the things that I was seeing uh, a lot in my, that was getting posted a lot on Instagram was this um, basically like an introductory course uh, for like anti-racism work, uh, specifically geared toward like, you know, non-black folks, non-black folks, mostly, mainly white folks. Um, it was, um, it was written by this academic, uh, oh my gosh, I will find her name and put it in the comments. I do apologize. Um, it was shared so much that I like the, again, it's one of those things where it's like, always try to find who the person is that wrote it because, yeah. you know, as, as things get amplified, sometimes the, the, you know, it, the designation or the, we want to make sure we give credit to the, for the labor that these people have put into it. Yeah. So I will do, I will do my best to find the, to find the person who wrote it. But um, it was an academic who basically created this like a uh, month long course where there are daily readings and um, articles, content uh, in terms of podcasting movies that you can watch that are um, specifically for uh, related to the idea of like how to begin like anti-racism uh, anti-racism work and it separates it into three different types of sections you either have like 10 minutes a day 25 minutes a day 45 minutes a day whatever you feel like you can allocate as like a daily practice and again like the the first thing they mentioned is that this is by no means a like end-all be-all like this is just the beginning right, yeah. it like you know further yourself by reading other works by continuing to do work and it also like not it's not just um oh, let's read something. It's also like, here's a, something you can take action on in this way. Here's something that you can do in, in, that's actionable in this way. So it's um, June Justice is the name of the the Google Doc. We'll post the bit.ly in um, in the comments yeah. and I will find the person um, who Yeah, no, who I'll definitely, it. yeah. And then we can, you know, we'll go from there. Uh, but I've sent it out to uh, white friends uh, and... And I've, they've found it because, again, like I think people, you know, one of the functions of like Western civilization is the idea of mastery. Like if we can't master it, then we can't it, we we can't claim it as part of our identity. We can't claim it as something part of their own. And so it's like, where do I begin in my mastery of like anti-racism work? And it's like, no, you won't. Like, you need to just be like constantly learning and be teachable and be better. So this is a way for people to kind of yeah. get started who need that structure. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Again, it's a privilege to learn about, you know, racism and rather than having to experience, experience it, it, you know. Yep. So it's, you know, it's like, it's just one of those, you know, things. It's like this, it is ongoing work. It's not something that just, you know, happens magically because you like the right Instagram page, you know, and, you know, like you can't expect, there was a great reductorist thing going around where it's like, you know, I posted a black square and not one black person has thanked me. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's comedy, but it's like, you know, there is a lot of that. I think there is people expect to be applauded for, you know, doing the work. And it's like, no, this is not, this is not that yeah. thing. You know, this is, this is, this is ongoing effort and we're, and, you know, mistakes are made you know, things happen. And I think we have to say, you know, uh, you know, I'm sorry, thank you for teaching me. And I'm going to continue to try to do better, um, you know, and commit to that and really commit to thinking, you know, critically about, you know, how we engage in conversations about race and the, you know, the, um, the content that we share and that we engage with. And so, you know, again, as, as members of the horror community, this is, you know, this is a way for us to, you know, to have these conversations and to, you know, to promote, 
you know, this work and, you know, and I think that's important. I think, you know, yeah, whatever lane you're in, do that, you know, commit to it and make it, you know, make it, a, make it a daily action and don't, um, you know, don't be afraid that, you know, we need to make racists afraid again, you know, don't be a safe space. Don't be a complicit space, you know, for white nonsense, <laughs> for caucasity. <laughs> for, the, for the caucasity, the, the caucasity of it all. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think that, and I do, I think that's a big thing. You know, if people come around you and know, like, if they're afraid to say things around you because they, you know, think that they're racist. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> if it looks like maybe you are, way, you know, people <laughs> you know. It's, you know, it's just, it's, it, you know, it's just, I mean, it is, yeah. it, you know, and of course, yes, if you want to make Molotov cocktails and throw them by all means, uh, I'm not going to stop you or <laughs> discourage it, but, um, well, we know. can repost the, uh, that Egyptologist, uh, um, Twitter thread about how to topple an obelisk. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yeah. It's like, just in case, you, you know, I mean, no. Not saying anything, just sharing, you know, <laughs> information, yeah. educating, just educating. Um, here, what is know. it for? No apparent for like for no apparent reason. Here is the list of all of the statues of Christopher Columbus, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so and again, you know, and I, I do want um, going forward, you know, with Fright School, you know, trying to you know make sure we're being aware and diversifying our our uh, our horror experience as much as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's so many great, there's just, uh, you know, there's so much good stuff out there happening. Um, yeah. So uh, anyways, again, we could do a whole other episode. I mean, there's so, I mean, there's so much we did not cover or talk about in this documentary and it, there's so much packed in. It's 83 minutes long, I think. And, oh, there is horror noir uncut, which I mistakenly thought was a series. It's not, it's a podcast that has extended interviews with, um, everybody like, or several of the people involved, uh, that, uh, um, expands further. So, you know, check that out. Um, you know, but, uh, again, we'll link, I'll put the link in, hopefully it stays active for a while. Uh, um, shutter was doing a shut in promo code for 30 day trial. Uh, I'm sure there are other, you know, seven day trials on Amazon or whatever. I'm, I'm sure you could find other ways to, to get uh shutter to watch the documentary, but for now it is available purely by going to the shutter landing page or the, uh, black, the horror noir shutter landing page and just watching it you know you don't even need an account so do it and um our our friend and former guest on the pod uh brennan uh of the queer wolf podcast he did an instagram uh highlights an instagram story of where you can stream the various movies that are mentioned in horror noir so if you go to his instagram account um the burning clem uh, go to Horror Noir highlights, and he it actually shows where the different uh, streaming services, certain films are that are mentioned in Horror Noir. You can also just go awesome. to IMDb uh, as well, but we'd rather that you support yeah. our friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean, I would definitely try to reshare that then for you know for people to to see. Um, alrighty, well, you know, I just think um, you know, again, very. 
what do you want to say? It's like so many different feelings, so many different emotions, but you know, I think what's really, it's just, it's, it's very amazing and heartening to see that people that we are coming together in so many ways, you know, and trying to have these conversations. So I am, you know, stay safe out there and, you know, um, keep trying keep doing the the tough work. You know, if it feels uncomfortable, keep going, push through. You know, yeah. The only All way right, out. Well, is I love you very much. I still, I'm, yes, exactly. Yes, the only way out is through. And uh, if you know the door doesn't work, kick it in. Um, <laughs> make it, make it work. Uh, all right, Joe. Well, I love and miss you very much. I hope that we're able to be in the same room again sometime. You know. Um, <laughs> With you and all all the people I miss seeing, so I hope so as well too. Good night, good, to, good night, everyone. <laughs> Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 